if there were in the past, if there was ever any doubt, oh, should I really be starting a business or, you know, taking a big leap like this? Well, to be frank, I look now to those around me, obviously from being in alignment with my own self, but I trust those people around me. And it doesn't need to go any further than that at this point because we need to do something. And, and we can. You're listening to Conversations on a Sustainable Life with Libby O'Loughlin and Renee Laplante. Good morning, Libby. Good morning, Renee. How are you today? Great, thanks. Got a bit of rain happening here. Yeah, it's a bit cooler today than usual, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, I am super excited. We are on our second episode, and um, I said that I would lead in for us because I am excited about this idea of the financial, the economics, um, the issues that we're dealing with during the pandemic, but also the opportunities that are presenting themselves. So Mm. I wanted to kick us off with looking into uh, this idea of being bold and brave. And in particular, you have been bold and brave recently. Um, (laughs) I mean, you started a business in a face mask. So I was wondering if you could tell us all about (laughs) That really unusual situation. <laughs> yeah, actually, I did give you a bit of a bomb steer. I'm going to be honest. I took the face mask with me. I had it. Okay. Okay. Um, and when we actually were in the office to sign all the legal paperwork, um, it was a massive, massive office. Uh-huh. Um, and we were all sitting miles away from each other. Wow, how funny. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, in the event, I I thought, you know, I think I probably don't have to wear it. It was fairly airy and the yeah. door was open at one point and I thought, oh, okay, I'll just not wear the face mask. So yeah, I had it with me, my homemade face mask. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the startup. Tell us about like the product and why now, to, why are you starting it now? And, you know, who are you starting it with? And yeah, we have a blockchain based tracking system, which allows us to look at the entire eco footprint of a product. So we can look at not only the content of the product itself, but the processes that are around it as well. And um, it's blockchain based logistics solutions like, you know, how, how a product gets from A to B, for example, those those are being developed in several industries like in domestic post, global shipping, food, transportation and like last mile pharma, as it's called, distributors. And it's like a reliable and, and an yeah. easily scalable solution that allows you to kind of audit around the clock, so to speak. And I think as government policies are going to change to be a bit more in line with planet sustainability guidelines um, and like, for example, the carbon tax, for example, mm-hmm. solutions like being able to track and trace as well as what we have to offer um, will become really critical for EU and GDP compliance. And to get to what we do, logistics is like one part of the pie chart for us. 
Um, so the rest of it is being able to generate basically a full eco footprint picture for the product. So what, where you have the supply chain, which is like transport and logistics, that's like mode of transport, fuel emissions, the distance a product has traveled, the energy used, um, example, cooling in the back of a truck, um, the temperature tracking and humidity tracking as well. Um, that's one part. And then you have like uh, the product content or the ingredients part of the pie. And that's like the, the source and the quality and, and if something's organic or recycled or not. Yeah. And the origin of the product and the amounts and whether it's fair trade and all of those things. Um, and then you have the other part of the pie, which is sort of like energy and resources during processing. And there we come to like the, the, the types of energy used and the emissions and the capture or not of those emissions and renewable sources or not and yeah. how much water was used, the gas flow meter readings, the factory footprint itself, oh, materials wow. that were used um, and industrial waste treatment as well. Like that's another part of it. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's that's what we do. And, you know, blockchain has become a bit of a thing um, because it's extremely useful for the fact that it's mm-hmm. you can't tamper with it. It's distributed over a network. So in the sense that you you can't, it's no central point where you can kind of like break in and hack the, mm-hmm. you know, the local hard drive or something like that. It's not like that. It's, it's, it's distributed over a network in the cloud. And um, it's been used in sort of crypto- cryptocurrencies. And so it's fairly well well used and regarded as as a good security measure and that just means that in the case of for example food um, if you're shipping or or trucking something from from a to b there, there can't be any fudging around of documents or you know because once it's entered the blockchain it's it's you can't alter it there's no Mm -hmm. fudging possible So, yeah, it's a very safe and trustworthy way to store um, information, data. Um, yeah, and, and, the, and of course, the other part of that which is useful is the, the compliance side of things and to be able to show and provide evidence that your um, agreed regulatory conditions for consumer safety are met, you know. And, um, yeah, it, it gives consumers as well, I guess, the the trustworthy stamp that there's evidence that that production label conforms to what they say they're doing and they're authentically doing that um yeah and then there's of course the legal side of it which means that you know like if you have there i think what as i understand it what arises frequently are legal disputes around the state of a product or a raw material like on departure or mm-hmm. on route or on delivery and uh, yeah that's that's you can you can rapidly mm-hmm. act upon those sorts of disputes if you have data to show you know yes when we shipped it it looked like this and you know photographic evidence or however you choose to to track that um yeah so why why now that would be one yeah. question why did we decide to go move ahead in this covid time um aside from everything else we were fairly well poised to 
co-found anyway so we just didn't see that there was much point in um, delaying on account of the COVID because even though there were some um, well there are some delays in the supply chain of course um, yeah we don't have a big reliance or any reliance actually on in- investor or angel um, investors or funding or anything like that at the moment we're bootstrapping mm. and um, you know we are in line for commercial pilots as well as our own pilots which are running anyway mm-hmm. um, Super. so we were in a good position to co-found and that's you know important that you're able to I think when you're co-founding something that you're able to assess mm-hmm. your, your own readiness and at this point I need to mention that we also used a really great book and framework for um, co-founding in when we were kind of forming the the core team um, we used Jana Nevrilka's book called co-founding the right way and, nice. and I will of course link to that in the show notes and it's a fantastic overview of the I guess it's it's the boxes that need to be checked but it's a very very gr- good high level and useful um, way of being able to work through the things that you might encounter that you will need to be prepared for and also to be working out whether you are actually a good fit where the gaps are and where you might need yeah. to pull someone else in and so we worked through that and we were all on the same page with that because I actually I guess it must be about five years ago now I organized an event um, at one with one of the orgs that I that I co-founded mm-hmm. um, we had Yana come speak and at the time, of course, I was like the last person that I thought would actually be needing to use this book. But I remember being super impressed with Yana and she's a fantastic, fantastic person. And um, and yeah, of course, I'm the one that that ended up using the book and um, loving it. So I'm giving a, a, a real, yeah, a real vote of confidence for that to be able to when you're co-founding, feel like you're on solid ground and have a common language because I think that that really helps um, kickstart the process. Um, So yeah, the COVID situation, as with any situation, I think it sort of brings up the weaknesses in the systems and where there are potential challenges and problems, they seem to become more stark and so with that, you know, with that in mind, I think it, it, COVID has highlighted the areas where our societies are struggling. And yeah, one, one of them that I think we can certainly help with is this trust issue and mm-hmm. being able to trust and know that we can, when, when, when there are products out there that we, they are what they say they are. And also to, for example, another area would be to know with tracking and tracing and supply chains that we have more of a handle on exactly when, you know, for inventories and so on. That That's quite a common uh, challenge that people are having at the moment. Mm-hmm. And another thing that has become fairly clear is that the food, the food sector is vital and that is one of the areas that we're already kind of working in um we have a pilot in a processing plant in bulgaria excuse me and 
yeah, that's a fascinating process. Starting to hear what the what the challenges that they have with um, food, you know, security and trust, and um, and observing that there are providers and processes and people out there who are just rotting the system, so to speak. So it's and especially with food when it comes to compliance with. Um, you know, health and safety and all that sort of thing. It's really important yeah. to be able to prove all of that stuff. So, yeah, that's an, that was more fire in our belly to go, you know, we, ha- we just have to keep moving forwards because things have to change and transparency is a really big part of that and that's what Recarbonex systems can do. And so, yeah, how personally how I got to the point of becoming... <laughs> part of the Recarbonex team and and uh, having the big plot twist from being the novelist to working yeah. with the blockchain in the tech industry. Um, <laughs> well, of course, as a novelist, one gets to do lots of reading and writing. And I'm not just a novelist. Obviously, that's a, a word that I place on myself because um, it's convenient and it just gives a quick, easy way of saying some of the things that I've done. But in fact, I've worked in in well traditional media and news and current affairs um and i've worked in uh been the creative director of a online magazine for many years and so when it comes to having like a plot twist or a a career pivot i actually do have a nice little framework that i put around career pivoting as you know (laughs) and i've decided that I, i decided that i would um employ some of those little kind of thinkings when I shifted it was very organic for me so I didn't have to do too much thinking about it because I was lucky enough to be um, alongside and helping out a friend of mine who had a great idea that was something that I could just help her I'd finished writing um, the recent novel and I had some time so I said yeah yeah I'll help you write a white paper I'll help and of course it ignited my enthusiasm and something inside me that you know that was the the decarbonista inside of me she woke up again and um and so I was lucky to have that opportunity but at the same time I was able to sort of Mm -hmm. step back and say hey you know I've actually got a lot of the stuff inside me and the skills and the tools to be able to make that shift um because you know frankly I'm really all about great stories and um, and the power of the written word, and that applies whether you're writing fiction or whether you're, you know, working in a tech startup. It's it's all about connecting people with big ideas, and I love it. It's just fantastic. And so, yeah, in a way, it's very simple. <laughs> so that's how I got to to that point. And um, yeah, maybe in a, another episode, I can talk you through the full po- plot twist career pivot um for people who might be thinking and about wanting to take a step in another direction because i i do acknowledge that there is an element of bravery in this and in the fact that you will have to learn new skills and it does take time to um ramp up and get a handle on a whole new context um yeah, so th- th- I can talk about that another time and we can certainly talk about skills as well. I'm sure you guys have not only a lot of content and technical expertise and great conversations there, but I'm sure you guys also have fun, which I think 
has to be part of it yeah. right we have to be yeah um doing what we love and what we feel really passionate for especially when you have a startup because it takes so much from everybody and it really requires mm. that persistence and that bravery of like just waking up every day and saying i have to learn something new i have to build a new skill today i have to try something that i've never done before and probably fail at it but then learn from it and keep going um and mm. yeah we and we can we can talk about about the, those kind of tools and things as as well yeah and I, I guess be, I'd, I'd love to hear from you though you know you're you're do, you know you're in a a different situation ours is kind of a very distinct goal and it's mm-hmm. ambitious and we're a business um and your setup is completely different isn't it because you're working in yeah. consulting um different kinds of clients tell me about your experience yeah for sure so i mean i guess i I like to kind of help connect the dots for people about why sustainability even plays a role in my consulting business and and how i use my skills and harness my skills i'd say ultimately what i did is when i went um independent as a consultant and an advisor and a coach and a facilitator i mean all these words to me are important and unique because uh, i see that different situations require a different approach and um, my underlying kind of mission here is to help culture change and to build strategies to have culture change Um, So what I decided to do is just, you know, I looked at the state of the world after I left Google, I looked at the state of the world. I said, how can I harness my skills and my unique work and life experiences to support organizations and people to quickly essentially change their culture? And what that means is resetting norms and behaviors in order to swiftly grow or change. And um, I really realize that, um, you know, I can help organizations do that in different ways. I can be an advisor, I can be a consultant, um, I can help individuals do that in different ways, I can help families do that. And every working group or team or family has a culture. And the, it's mm. for me, it's really a question of engagement. Like, are people engaged in that? Are they co-creating it? And if they are or, or not, like, what is the outcome that they're wishing for? So it's it's really bringing... Um, a very intentional um, approach to how we're behaving, how we're living, how Mm. we're working, and how we're interacting. Um, So on a practical level, I mean, uh, uh, if I just look at like what I do for businesses, I mean, I help maybe like a corporate team, I help them make their culture visible so that they can proactively choose. Do they want to stop something? Do they want to keep something? Or do they want to cultivate a new practice because it will help them achieve something that the organization wants and needs? And uh, even more practically speaking, you know, that's like we could redefine your meeting practices or, um, re-engineer your performance management system and your bonus system, right? So that the incentives, the the intentions and the incentives are aligned so that people have the vision and they also have the practical steps and the incentives to do the things that get them to that vision. So Mm. that's like what's going on like in my day to day. And, and then I, you know, if I, if I take it up a level, 
um, I'm applying this to businesses where I see the potential of having um, where our economy needs that that in the future okay whether it's a product whether it's a marketplace whether it's a cool technical gadget um, or even if it's like a social mission um, you know like the circular economy um, is kind of all of those in one mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm looking to apply myself and that, that ability that I have to these scenarios that will forward our um, economy and our use of emissions it will lower our use of emissions um, so the Decarbonista project is an expression of that and um, it is mm-hmm. my way of harnessing what I'm capable of doing really quickly and applying it really quickly and seeing Mm. if it can build momentum and getting other people on board and actually not even pushing or doing anything that is, you know, kind of like proactive. It's, it's more like, does this resonate with you? The question is, does making things last resonate with you and does, um, tracking progress resonate with you? And if so, like, you can do it too. And so it's very empowering and uplifting and it's giving people, re-giving them the sense that they have a, they have that empowerment, they have that, I don't wanna say control because control is a bit strong, but you know, that yeah. um, ability to affect change and that the power is in, in our hands. Um, and I, uh, I mm. like to, um, you know, work on, on various levels. Um, so mm. I've, yeah, so I haven't started a startup. I haven't created a business, although I have a couple friends who are, you know, knocking on my door and saying, like, we should really do a few of these things and, like, turn them into businesses. And um, and I want to talk about making money with sustainability because that one, to me, feels like an important thing to address. Um, but briefly, let me finish mm. my point, which is um, I really have taken the approach that if... I'm not going to wait around for somebody to give me the authority to have positive change in the world. And, um, Mm. and to me, like waiting around for a business idea or waiting around for some, um, you know, kind of the, of, of having, you know, some large structural thing or like to work inside a company that's going to, um, you know, change various things, uh, in the system, like, I, I was like, there's no time for that. We have no time to lose. So what do I do? How do I do that? I, I do it by myself and I put it out in the world and I see, like, do people, res- does it resonate with people? And if so, then we can do it together. And so that's how the Decarbonista mm. project has actually gained momentum mm. is by becoming um, a, like an ecosystem of people who, are, who agree with the mission um, mm. to utilize um, individual actions to create swift positive change um, and to lower Mm. the world's carbon footprint through our individual actions and then everybody can do it the way that they feel like suits them best and then together we're actually building momentum and changing patterns changing um, behavioral norms and moving us towards um, sustainable living Mm. Yeah, so it is different. Um, I mean, like I said, I haven't given up on the idea of a startup, um, and I'm involved in working groups 
also like one around global carbon compensation. So, um, you know, there's to me, there's just so many things that any one person could do. Um, and I don't like to I don't like to put barriers in front of me and say, oh, it has to be done this way. Rather, it's like, okay, mm. let's just try it out. And if it resonates with people, keep moving instead of, you know, trying to put structure on top of it unnecessarily, basically. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, and it is such an inspiring thing too. I mean, it, especially, I, I feel anyway that when you can live from... Um, from those those values and that I guess it's actually yeah. urgency now isn't it that you mentioned um and I I'm in alignment with that as well um oh should I really be starting a business or you know mm-hmm. taking a big leap like this well to be frank I look now to those around me mm-hmm. um as as you know obviously from being in alignment with my own self but I trust those people around me and it mm-hmm. doesn't need to go any further than that at this point because we need to do something. Yep. And yep. and we all can. And we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I know it's only been sort of six or seven weeks that we've been in lockdown, but have you noticed any difference in the, or do you have kind of a reading of where people are like pre COVID and now in terms of your own, interaction and work with people yeah well there's two i'll answer that in two ways so one kind of more on the business side so with clients or with um former clients who i stay in touch with and um really seeing the organizations and and what's happening in organizations and then on the other side at the personal kind of individual practical level um so organizationally i've seen um you know this retreat you know obviously we've all had to like retreat home and then we have been on video calls most of the time when we are interacting with our peers and our work groups and um something that i have really seen in like very clear sight is the fact that if if a company already had a positive culture or let's say a functional culture of support and collaboration and trust in their leadership they are having pretty much no problem right now with this time hmm. so they are um you know their people are not particularly stressed out they shifted very rapidly and agilely towards working from home um you know there's obviously individuals have their own ways of coping but um you know it's almost like the conversation is well should we keep doing this after covid and you know do less uh, office time you know is that because we can still be productive basically um and so that is a really interesting thing mm. that i see in some clients that have really been able to um, build a positive culture from the inside out before covid and then those companies that are you know that were that are in transition or have been struggling with it this time is extremely difficult for them and it's like a um it's like an added stress that they can't be physically near each other because they have been um kind of counting their 
counting on that face-to-face -face feedback and that kind of constant interaction that they would get in the workplace to validate and to get direction. Mm. And um, they feel very insecure when they're split apart and they're in a place where they're being um, challenged to be independent, um, you know, uh, be check in in different ways and um, to use like those old st skills of interaction. They just don't apply as much mm. on, on the video calls. So so that's like also really hard for me, too, because I like really don't want to see my clients struggling. Mm. And yet um, it's really a beautiful opportunity for anyone who's in that situation where they notice like they're getting really burnt out or their teams are getting really burnt out or they're tired or they're stressed more than usual mm. um, to bring it back to the human level and to say, okay, we're first, first and foremost, we're human. We need to take care of ourselves and we need to be, you know, kind of like what we were saying in the first episode, we need to be sustainable as a, as a self as an individual and that's pri priority one mm -hmm. and then from there let's go into um what do i need in order to be successful in my role and to set very clear expectations with each other and to uh, not overdo it right so they keep things really simple during this time and move towards um uh collaboration and compassion for each other mm. so so, you know, there's so much happening um, in this space that, like, I want to really bring people back to, you know, be authentic and honest and but also make sure that you're, um, you know, you're focusing on the the challenge that you're working on together so like use that challenge to move yourselves forward instead of getting stuck in on the in the internal and in the frustration side um so you know as a typical coach you know it's like let's let's look outside a little bit in order to move forward but um respect and and be cautious of uh, our internal selves as well mm. So that's the organizational piece. Um, I can say a lot more there, but I don't want to bore you guys um, because most of us are probably listening to this and like as individuals, right? On the individual side, I have to say so many people whom I haven't even necessarily talked to in a while have reached out to me and has, have been like, so what's going on with the environment nowadays? Mm. Um, and it's so <laughs> because... You're the boss of the environment. <laughs> I, oh my God. I, I'm just like... Ugh. It's so it's beautiful and it's also like really silly um it's great because clearly you know it's just the it's it's whatever it's just because i put myself there i'm like i'm in there you know like i care yeah. um that and and they're like so but is it better is it worse like what's happening and so i it's it's actually given me new energy for this topic frankly because at the mm. beginning of the year I attended Davos, I went to the WEF, I listened to all those business leaders. I was like, this is not going to get fixed by oh, these people. Oh, I hear you, sister. I was there too. And uh, right? yeah, that, maybe we, maybe we could do an episode that? on that. That was, that was an experience. Yeah, I almost am like, okay, like times have changed. Like, thank goodness. There, I, I know it sounds weird, but thank goodness COVID came along because it like really pushed us to push leaders and 
uh, politicians to really just like, okay, whoop, we can change. If we need to, we can change when we're threatened, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was the response I expected from WEF and Davos, and I didn't see that. And I was a little depressed. So I'm not going to lie, at the beginning, you know, Jan, Feb, yeah. even into March, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, mm, should I even bother with this? Like, should I just like go off on live on a beach from the you know for the rest of my time on this planet mm. because i'm not feeling a lot of confidence here but the optimism came back and that's because of the people and the individuals yeah and how um this has really shifted our, our thinking it's starting to shift our businesses it's you know causing a lot of chaos and and difficulty as well not gonna you know ignore that but um people are like hopeful i think people are hopeful and i want to continue like we we can be we should be and here's why right mm. and um and we have an opportunity in front of us so we do have the chance to be um you know responsible mm. with this moment in time in this once in a generation opportunity to rebuild our lives on t in a greener track um, whether it's structural, economic, or it's personal, or everything in between, um, we really have this chance. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have been observing and, and yeah. hearing from out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting time, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, yeah, and I know that I personally had to draw on a fair amount of bravery well, for for me, even going to Davos was mm -hmm. <laughs> was uh, a little intimidating. But I guess just from the perspective of someone who's been uh, freelancing forever yeah. and um, working in very different spheres, and have, then stepping into like I went to the blockchain summit. And yes, I remember. Yeah, that was that was super interesting, um, and. I don't know. Do you find that there's an element of bravery for yourself? Because from from where I sit, I see that there's, as you said, it was sort of it, you draw on the natural gifts and talents mm -hmm. and everything that you have, and it feel, seems to me, from my perspective, that it's a very organic move for you to be to mm -hmm. be doing that. And I think, from my perspective, it also felt like a very organic move to be working with the people I'm working with now. And at the same time, there's the bravery part of it. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? Well, I guess, yeah, this word bravery really became a topic in our household um, in two ways. One, because of my daughter, who is a growing um you know blossom of a child and uh, <laughs> is demonstrating to me what bravery is and also i'm you know observing in her opportunities where i can encourage her to be brave right mm. where she's i can see her kind of shutting herself down or um kind of putting herself down or, or kind of saying no no i can't do that or that's for boys or that's for um you know that girl over there who's you know not so nice she's she does that you know so so that like clearly as a parent um i've had a touch it's been coming back to me over and over hmm. and um 
and I can't ignore it. And, you know, like even the music that she listens to and these like pop singers and whatnot, like I have to tell you, like if you don't have a daughter or like a young daughter right now, like go and listen to some of these young female artists anyway, because you will get such a boost from their message. Oh, wow. Um, like, you know, Jojo Siwa, I know it sounds ridiculous. Like she's, you know, she sings a song like... Um, I'm a kid in a candy store. I mean, it is, it's brilliant. I mean, the, the lyrics and like the, the empowerment and the way of thinking about how, you know, you should, um, you can, right? You don't should, no one, there's no shoulds in here. Mm. This is can, this is an opportunity. This is not a must. This is an, a can moment mm. um, that we have to be brave and to, uh, step out and um, and accept ourselves and know we're imperfect and uh, just still do it. Um, and so my daughter has been a big inspiration there and the kind of artists and music and the, the information that I get from her world. Um, and then uh, also like people around me and my, you know, uh, you, Libby, I mean, other friends, other mentors, um, and then, you know, within myself. So I turned 40 a few years ago, and what for whatever reason, it was a moment in my life when I just said, enough is enough. Mm. Like, no more doing what everybody else wants me to do. Mm. And no more um, trying to fit myself in a box. Um, and I don't want to subscribe to this idea that I have to have um, some certification or some specific, you know, thing on my resume in order to be justified and allowed <laughs> to yeah. do stuff, yeah. you know? So like, it's like my inner rebel kind of woke up and was like, look, time <laughs> is short. Like, let's have some fun. Let's do good things and let's go do it. I know. It's fun, isn't it? And when you take that attitude, it, it really is so liberating because I'm just laughing because, you know, I mentioned a blockchain summit, right? But, yeah. but you know, I was there and it was super interesting and, and all blockchain-y and everything. But yeah. the conversations I ended up having were actually around stories and storytelling oh. and, you know, devices that people use in storytelling. Totally. And so, it, you know, it's just it goes, to, goes to show you just you just need to be yourself in whatever environment you are. I mean, obviously there's a place for persona and, um, yeah. you know, fitting, you know, re reading the room as they say, but, yes. um, but, but I would say that, yeah, it is liberating to be able to, to say enough is enough. Yeah. I have, I have my, I know why I'm here. I know what I'm doing and mm -hmm. I'm going to have fun and talk about things that interest yeah. me along the way. Yeah. I mean, we're just like, you know, if we just step, step out of our own way, then, you know, you never know, like, amazing stuff is going to happen, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the stuff I tell my daughter and, like, good on, you know, gotta, you, I got to walk the walk, too. Mm. Um, so, you know, so that's, so there is this, like, incredible uh, energy that comes from that stepping out of one's way and unleashing oneself and being brave and being bold and accepting again that like we are all imperfect like ex the word expert like has like expert in what like 
<laughs> how far do you need to take that word, right? Like, I mean, I'm an expert in a lot of different things and and I'm actually really not an expert in many others. Like, but that's okay. Mm. And we are, um, you know, the world needs us more than um, we should be like putting ourselves down. So that bravery and that um, willingness to learn and to fail and to get up and to learn again and to um, be, yeah. you know, and to do Keep it with, with others as well. And, and one of the yes. greatest gifts that I have at the moment is, is working with my team. And yes. between us, Aww. we have such mm-hmm. an amazing range of, array of um, gifts and skills. And um, I just get so much joy from, from working alongside, for example, Jens with his engineer's brain. I um, love it. And, you know, we're sort of designing app interfaces at the moment and uh-huh. it's just it's fascinating I just uh, I just enjoy it so much and I think when you have um, a, a real diversity of skills and interests and personalities and everything I mean I we're just so different the three of us from each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet we have we have this um united cause if you like then we mm-hmm. at core we 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 really feel the urgency of the situation that that humanity yeah. is in and we're enjoying the ride together you know it's great yeah. it's um yep that's such brilliant. such I mean, a gift yeah and it's like what all you could ask for you know is doing something meaningful uh, you know and doing it with people you like mm. so like awesome um you know, there's something that keeps popping to mind for me, which is about, um, it, it, like, there's like this little negative voice that comes up from time to time for me, which is like, is it okay to make money on sustainability? Uh. Right. Um, and then I have, you know, one of my advisors, friends, mentors, um, is like, well, if you can't build a business that is sustainable and like, keeps itself going then it's by definition not sustainable so you know you you gotta make money on this right and I just love her because she's and I'm like yes she brings me back to like it is not a bad thing right to make the money that's needed to keep this moving ahead yeah and and Um, money enables enables you to um, help others in big ways exactly yeah yeah so, yeah, so I just wanted to throw it in there because, um, yeah, it's just, it's like, we just need to be okay with it and know that, like, we're putting it towards the right things and we're making good use of it and mm. we just, like, keep going, right? And to me, the other dimension of money is, particularly with the Decarbonista project and, you know, this idea that... Um, we all have a decarbonista inside of us. It's just a matter of kind of training her and in giving, putting, getting her on the path. And we are um, together as we do this work to reduce our footprints and to reduce our carbon emissions, we are collectively having an impact, right? And um, what I f- discovered in there when, when I was first exploring this idea with people and encouraging people and, um, trying to find if it resonate, find out if it resonated with people was to really look in there and say, what do people need in order to hold themselves accountable for changing their footprint Mm. or, or changing their behavior? And frankly, um, people need to have skin in the game. 
they mm. need to have put some money, some something valuable to them, right, down and in, ex- in exchange to say, I am doing this and I am holding myself accountable because I put money on it, right? So there's an um, also like a psychological element here where um, I have for a long time wanted to offer things free and um, and I do offer some things free and I do a lot of coaching for free and, and do trades and whatnot. Um, but the critical thing here is that are you doing are you holding yourself accountable and are you moving forward mm. or are you just doing this to get a freebie right and in the world of sustainability has a lot of freebies in it yeah. and there's a lot of goodness a lot of goodwill and a lot of foundations a lot of uh, people who've given money to uh, keep things going but you know as the the root cause us humans is the root cause of carbon emissions we also need to be accountable yeah the skin in the game thing from the sort of storytelling perspective i guess from the protagonist perspective it's that's that moment where shit gets personal you know yeah um and this is like a a big driver for the story to be pushed Mm -hmm. forwards you know there's always that moment where the the wife gets killed or the they lose everything and yeah or yeah especially with the revenge stories there's always the skin in the game aspect as well isn't there yeah yeah, that was then shifting gears like let's let's go back to this point we were talking about which um we touched on was you know kind of tools and learning new stuff and learning new stuff fast um do you have any words of wisdom experiences or even just fun stories around having to you know yeah well new startup phase uh, yeah exactly well I came into this the startup bringing all of my my narrative and strategy skills there I guess and so yeah one of the one of the reasons that I took the leap to join a company or to start a company like this was because I realized that for for a few years I have been playing it a little bit safe um, mm-hmm. and at a certain point I thought hmm I think there is probably a bit more in the tank that I can <laughs> start nice. to, yeah start to step out of the comfort zone a bit and um, yeah so therefore it means for me working with things like Microsoft Teams which I've never worked with before and, and I, mm-hmm. I remember you mentioned you were using Basecamp which I had yeah. a look at but I haven't I haven't been using um, and then when it comes to you know designing the app of course I'm suddenly learning about uh, all of that and seeing that the code that goes on behind what it takes to do an app is just like wow oh my gosh and I can't pretend that I would understand all the code but I um I have I have got a bit of html css type stuff but um Mm -hmm. and from you know running a lot of wordpress sites and that sort of thing I I sort of get the gist of it but that's fascinating and I'm just loving the fact that I don't understand it. It's it's such a great feeling. I, I don't know. I don't think everyone enjoys that feeling, but sometimes I just sit there and I think, oh gosh, I feel like I'm in kindergarten where I just have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> but I think, you know, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. And I'm lucky that I work with um, with Jens on this stuff and he's, he's so completely, ask the questions, ask the questions, you know? And so, yeah. That's, yeah. even though he's 
obviously very busy, but he always has time for for that. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that aspect of learning. Um, yeah, t- um, I'm just trying to think what See else. I, I'm that's good. Leveling up my um, uh, slide making. And, oh, nice. Um, graphics uh, mm-hmm. using GIMP a lot. I used to use GIMP a long time ago when it wasn't anywhere near as as cool as it is now. Um, nice. And I'm enjoying getting back into that. Uh, yeah, yeah very so cool. that's a start. What about you? Well, I've, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Basecamp. So that's part of my GCC working group. I've delved into Basecamp and I'm a really, you know, novice user still. But um, I've found that to be really interesting. Also, with some clients, I've been trying out new tools like Slack. And mm. it's probably not new to anybody else but me. It was new at the beginning of this year. Um, and Miro and Mural as like kind of brainstorming mm. web-based uh, applications. Um, but I think there, like, the thing that I just want to like point out is that, you know, we are above the age of 40, both of us, I know, and um, we are still learning yeah. new stuff and we're learning it fast. And dang it, like, I think this is part of the bold and brave, right? You like, we can absolutely um, learn stuff for one, but also I think what the way I've been embracing this and and like trying to just like add new tools to my repertoire and understand new things and um, is for two reasons. One, to collaborate with other people because for me, sustainability can only get done if it's collaborative. So Mm. I think that's pretty much agreed across the world, um, but like I'm just going to put it out there. And then also to keep up the agility because something that is, again, like a systemic or kind of root uh, issue that we are all experiencing right now is that our climate is changing fast. And if our climate is changing fast, what do we think we're going to do, right? Like Mm. we also really need to be able to adapt and um, agility you know the fact that that word and it became so hot you know a few many years ago yeah well, the like agile eight years ago or something and agile, yeah. yeah and then like, it started getting into like the business world instead of just the tech area right and this idea of um being agile in different places in our lives like that is a i think there's a really good reason for that and i think it's because we actually need it and we're recognizing that we can't sit around and just do the same thing for 10 or 20 years anymore Mm. um so i just want to put it out there that like getting into these things these tools for collaboration these tools for um learning and, and trying new things is part of the adaptation that we are all being asked to do and uh i think we're going to be ready for more challenges you know the big big challenges that are ahead of us in the climate when we have um kind of already accepted and embraced the fact that we are uh, that there are tools out there and that there are things and that we can learn and that we have that neuroplasticity and, and we're mm. totally capable yeah, of and this. Yeah, and one so, of the joys is seeing, for example, older generations starting to yeah. use Zoom. And um, it's just it's just great. I just love, you know, even just in, um, you know, on TikTok or 
<laughs> or Instagram yeah. or whatever, you see these clips of older people really caning it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, go totally. For it. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's just another form of communicating with people. And if it brings us yeah. together, then that's that's just gorgeous. For sure, for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, thank you, all the companies, the tech companies who invented video conferencing <laughs> and keep it stable, right? Like, there mm. is, like, it, it is a blessing that we have that. Um, mm. And again, I think it's part of the plan, right? Like, if anybody's, like, able to, like, could potentially mastermind this, like, shift into sustainability, uh, being able to collaborate in agile, fast, lightweight ways um, without having to be sitting next to each other all the time is definitely helps us move faster. Mm. So that's amazing. Yeah. So there's one other area that I want to touch on before we close up today. And this is really around the, um, the economic and financial soup that Mm. we are finding ourselves in Um, during COVID while we are still passionate and have some energy, you know, to drive this, this transition to like a greener vision and, and greener life. Um, and I guess, you know, there's just a couple comments I want to make. And first I want to put up a little bit of a framework around this. So, um, as an individual, we are, um, we can kind of look at our ability for impact in like a 60, 40 ratio. And what do I mean by that? So if you actually just looked at your carbon footprint and you broke it up into things that you can directly impact versus things you uh, cannot directly impact. So like you have complete control over versus not complete control over. um, It's there's kind of the 60 40 rule. And that comes from some studies that were done to um, analyze families who had committed to reducing their footprint and then seeing like which areas they were able to affect pretty quickly and which ones were kind of held them back. And um, there, uh, I, I like to talk about it like as indirect uh, impact and direct personal impact. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the direct personal impact first because it's the cool 60 side, 60% side where um, we actually have in general, like an, an average footprint has control over 60% of their um, time and, and the, the way they spend their money affects their carbon footprint and they can choose with that 60% um, what to do. So when you said Libby, that there is a bunch of green products that are still, that are kind of gaining or sustainable products that are continuing to gain popularity and whatnot, like this is where we can make choices, right? We can make choices in our consumption. We can make choices in our energy providers. We can make choices in how we get around. We can make choices in our food um, and how we waste or not. And that space is the 60. So I'm always a big fan of like, go with that and change that. And we talked about that in the first episode and and you, you know, kind of shared your personal uh, revelations around that. Now, Another element here, though, is the indirect. So the other 40% is basically kind of the part that we don't get to control directly. So that's stuff like um, our police and hospital services, roads, infrastructure, plumbing, etc. All this space where we are really, uh, you know, we have to vote or we have to affect a system Mm. in order to have that change. Um, 
And so I, I just want to break it up into those, those categories because we're in a soup, we're in this kind of system, we're in systems, we're involved in our personal lives and whatnot, but we really can start to partition it out into where we can have immediate, direct, personal, high impact uh, and uh, effects, and we can make personal choices, and where we actually now need to like look at a bigger picture. Um, we need to try to be thoughtful about how things interact and interconnect and intersect, and um, we need to vote and we need to be alert and. Um, we can, uh, you know, urge our governments to do things versus um, just, you know, buying something different at the store. Mm. So I'm just curious if that is, you know, a useful way of thinking about it. Um, if, you know, you see opportunities there, you know, especially as a business owner now, um, you know, are you seeing the financial and economic side affect you yet? Um, and like, how do you see your business playing a role in that soup? Well, it's definitely one of the drivers for me. Um, and maybe that's just a part of, I think I, I discussed last time this idea of the concentric circles and mm -hmm. the obstacles of the protagonist starting with the inner world and then moving to the interpersonal and then the outer mm -hmm. <clears throat> outer circle which involves yeah that kind of more public arena um and we talk you talk about you know po politics and business and for me that was a, a bit of a driver because i realized that i had a lot of skills that could mm -hmm. help um affect change in an arena that I'd never really participated before. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that was, was attractive because I could see that there was a way to be able to work at that level where um, I'm able to support people who are really able to, to be actors in that arena, mm -hmm. not to be a frontliner myself in a sense, because I'm, I don't have that, that, experience of being a politician or someone who works in strategic um mm -hmm. you know relations or anything like that that's not that's not me but i am able to support others in that role mm -hmm. and that that's that's great i love that aspect of it in terms of the um the the business itself i, I do see that there will be um opportunities now to start to work with this idea of you know smart cities and at governmental level being able to assist in terms of quality control and for example um auditing when mm. if if fund monies are going to so-called sustainable initiatives or businesses or whatever from governments yeah. if you're able to track and trace and pump out footprints of mm -hmm. products or um, processes then you have a way to measure the impact so yeah so if you're yeah you the the money that is being funneled is you know it becomes accountable in a sense mm -hmm. so for me that's that's great i'm really excited about that aspect of it um 
what other aspects were you asking about? No, I was just wondering, like, yeah, I think you really covered it. Like, we're, you know, we're we're working on so many different levels. Mm. I guess, like, you know, if, if you just look at your own individual self, right? Libby, the Libby I know is like super conscientious about her home her what she buys for her home what she buys for her family what she you know what you eat how you use your food how you waste or not your food um you know like there's like this whole household dimension right and like the personal dimension and then there's Mm. you know your startup and the startup is like working on a product that is capable of um supporting transparency and um tracking and getting the information that ultimately, uh, you know, either a government or a consumer or um, a B2B customer or something wants to know in order to verify and trust that product that's coming, that's being manufactured Mm. or created. So like, so this is a beautiful, it's it's just a really great demonstration of what I'm talking about. So Mm. like you're at your personal level, you have a lot of decision-making power in your family and you can do what you are um, capable of to offset, sorry, to reduce your footprint and then what's not there, what's still left, you can offset and um, you can, you know, affect change in that space, right? And that's the 60%, right? Yes, exactly. And then there's like the piece of that, which is, you know, it requires voting, which I know you don't have voting rights in Switzerland. And no, so nor do I in is, Australia. Or in Australia. Yeah, too long. It's horrible. Super <laughs> frustrating, right? Yeah. But like that is that's like a whole space, right? Like, where we can vote, we can um, voice mm-hmm, our opinions. Mm-hmm. We can say, hey, no, I don't agree with that. Um, I'm not going to give you my tax money for that or what have you, right? Like, so we can we can start to get vocal in that 40%, which is more an, in the personal realm, but mm-hmm. also related to the systems. And then there's even further where you can keep going to affect systemic change, through products, through startups, through um, you know working groups, or or just getting uh, going to a climate march, or mm-hmm. you know participating in something that has a bigger voice, um, mm-hmm. and and putting your name on that. So there's so much that we can do. And again, I'm like I'm in my empowerment talk, aren't I, right now? Yeah. But like really, you know, where where we just. I'm, you know, suggesting we all just stay alert and we're really aware mm-hmm. that during COVID, you know, this is an opportunity. We have an opportunity to get on to a greener track to, um, you know, we're currently using less fossil fuels. So let's make that continue. Right. So let's use less. Let's invest in structural changes that use mm. less fossil fuels um we want to you know there's been this delay unfortunately in legislative processes right now because of the pandemic well don't lose your sight on that right like let's keep paying attention and when that moment comes like please continue you know we are still in favor of a future that has sustainability involved in it mm. um you know that, that we're putting our hands up and saying these things out loud and um we are you know paying close attention basically so that is my encouragement for today i would say um that we're really becoming aware of where we can affect change and you know even if the change that you can affect today is just like not letting the food in your fridge go to waste um by wrapping that celery and 
keeping it for another few days mm. fresh um, and ready to use, like that is also meaningful and that matters. So I think with that, I'd love to bring us to a close for the day. And yeah, yeah. hopefully we've gotten uh, able to touch on some of those things that we yeah. promised and that were interesting for everybody. And I think it would be a good idea to, I mean, we've touched a few times on the inner world and the skills that we need in term and the care we need to take, I guess, um, for ourselves over the past episode. And I think it would be good to maybe touch on some of that in the next episode. Um, and and yeah, communication as well. That, that would be a big one on my, on my hit list. (laughs) Awesome. I'm in. Let's do it. Next episode (laughs) planned. Thanks, Renee. (laughs) Thank you, Libby. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, till next time. Next time. Thanks for joining us. The links are in the show notes. And if you've been inspired by this episode, please do share it with your family and friends. We can do this sustainable life thing together. Until next time, thanks for listening.